a lot of the insights we show them then turn to be eye-opening, like, oh, wow, I never knew that about my consumer, or I don't have that level of data. You know, thank you for bringing that to the table for us. And again, it's it's the ability for our team to really leverage those tools, right? Because we can pay for every tool all day. If we can't tell the story and tell the why behind that, then that's really the difference maker for us in Consumer Insights. Welcome to Top Shelf Integrity, where we give you an inside look at how we, the Beam Centauri on-premise team, maintain our best-in-class standards in the alcohol industry, and what makes us the best team in the business, bar none. It's about service at the end of the day, and we're going to show you how we do our thing so you can level up yours. What does Top Shelf Leadership do differently? What does it mean to show up for your customers and your teammates? How do you balance innovation and honoring legacy? It's all here. So grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's pour one out. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Top Shelf Integrity. I'm your host today with Christina Kolarab. I am the Director of On-Premise Consumer Marketing here for Beam Centauri. I cover the North America region. With me today, I have James Malucci. James, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks so much, Christina. So yes, I'm James Malucci. I'm our Director of Shopper Insights here for North America. I've joined the company um, pretty recently, so I've been here since November of 2021. I come from a CPG background and amongst other things, and I'm just super excited to be here today, just enjoying uh, Suntory Habiki. Neat. Nice. Well, I am... I'm actually enjoying a Knob Creek old fashioned. That's my favorite. And, you know, Beam Centauri, as always, wants to remind you to drink responsibly. So cheers. Cheers, Christina. Great. So today we're going to be talking about what Beam Centauri does creatively to help their clients better understand what consumers are looking for from on premise sites and express how this is done through all the platforms that we currently subscribe to. So thanks for joining me today. Yeah, super happy to be here to talk about this. This is uh, really a passion of mine and happy for the opportunity. Let's dive right in here. What does the customer solution team and ways of working look like at Beam Centauri? For sure. So we have a great team with me here. I have three additional folks on the team that support the business, one specifically for on-premise. And we're part of a bigger organization, as you mentioned, the customer solution team. And what we really do is serve to provide thought leadership in both our on-premise and off-premise partners. And we're really a key part of the customer solutions team from this perspective of we are informing a lot of our folks out in the field um, that are sellers to really tell the best story they can and really power those stories and data with insights. Great. Awesome. So how has that evolved as we've become more consumer and customer centric? You know, I'd say, especially given the pandemic, people are thirsty for insights. Right. And no pun intended, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> they're really looking for what does coming out of the pandemic look like these days, right? What is the new normal? And that's pretty challenging for us in an insight space because it's really hard now to lean on history, right? It's an unprecedented mm-hmm. event. Obviously, the pandemic is. Um, so it presents us with an interesting opportunity of how to measure what's happened during that time and what the new normal looks like. But folks are out there, um, you know, our partners are out there providing us with the best data that they can in insights. Um, And we are trying to craft that story and try to lead the way again as thought leaders um, with our partners to really help them understand their customer better, understand their consumer better, and understand what this new normal looks like in terms of behaviors coming out of the pandemic. Not to mention the addition of inflation these days and how that's going to affect customer spend on their pocket. 
For sure. That is such a huge point of, of conversation right now. It's- Definitely. So tell me, what are the ways in which the industry can learn from Beam Centauri's approach? Sure. Absolutely. I think, you know, for us really to shift the conversation, right, to talk more about insights with the customers is critical. We've seen a ton of operators come back to us and say, love what we see. Can we do a double click behind that and really have a more focused insights discussion as a separate discussion from potentially a sales or a selling discussion? So for us, really, you know, we are trying to be industry leaders and obviously providing that thought leadership and and being more, or excuse me, being less about the brand and more about the thought leadership and being more brand agnostic um, and really trying to be that category partner. Obviously, there's always a piece for us where we'll be selling, right? I mean, that's what we're here to do end of the day. Sure, sure. Um, but certainly trying to move away from being such a heavy handed sales approach and a more telling the story of the category and then how we can support them and really play a bigger part in that for them is super important for us. We source a lot of our research from uh, obviously key partners in the industry, but we do a lot of the heavy lifting ourselves, um, And that really helps our team become more in-depth advisors on the business versus sourcing a lot of that and just passing through things. So one of our key tenants and customer solutions is really doing the lifting and doing the heavy work ourselves so that our team understands that when they need to go present it and they can speak more intelligently about it because they built it themselves. Perfect. Thank you. I know you just recently had a, a pretty large, significant meeting with one of our casual dining chains, yes. uh, specifically around bourbon. Can you speak to that? I think we're seeing more and more interest from our operator partners on how can we help them build better cocktails, right? And how do we, again, bring more a holistic approach to them when just saying, hey, you need this bottle on the back bar. Um, here's what you can do with that bottle. And working with a lot of our data partners to understand how cocktails are going to test before they're given to an operator to use and put on their menu. Again, that saves a lot of time. That helps us understand how consumers are going to respond to that. Are they willing to pay the certain price point? Do they like what's in that cocktail? Um, That allows us to test a lot of that in a virtual panel environment versus saying, hey, let's throw this at the wall, see what sticks and, you know, make, have an operator make an investment in to product or glassware or whatever, just to find out that something will or won't work. Um, so that becomes way more efficient and way more of a streamlined approach to how we look at what cocktails makes uh, sense to operators. And, you know, that allows us to work in trends and do different things and kind of test and learn as opposed to doing it in a, in a real environment, some of the consequences and, you know, spends that could come out of that. Sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't think people, you know, customers, consumers realize how much work goes behind the scenes when they're Absolutely. crafting a menu and that menu, menu engineering process. Certainly, certainly menu engineering is a topic these days as well as, you know, no one wants to overwhelm customers with too many choices and consumers are eventually end up backing away or just going to what they know because they're overwhelmed. So um, streamlining menus, putting your best foot forward, putting your best products out there, and really doing the test work to understand that, that those will be successful when they ultimately do land on a menu is super important. Yeah. So speaking of menus, is there a, a sweet spot when it, when it comes to menus and how many drinks, you know, should be offered? Um, sure. Typically we see anywhere from four to six cocktails making sense through some of the research with our partners. That seems to be the sweet spot and landing on that. Um, anything else becomes somewhat overwhelming. Obviously images certainly help. We've learned through our research. Folks like to look at pictures. So when they can see a picture of a cocktail and understanding that definitely goes a long way into kind of that selling as well. Got it. Tell me, are menus still as impactful in the casual dining or the fine dining space? You know, I think there was a statistic 
it was something like, you know, 50% of people don't know what they're going to order prior to going into that establishment. Is it still pretty high like that? It definitely is. And we've seen, you know, there's a lot of, I think the jury is still out on QR codes versus paper menus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think expectations vary by operator. So as you get into more of a fine dining, high end space, folks want to see a paper menu still for sure. Obviously in your more casual, quick serve, either folks come in with an intention in that space, right? For more of the, that, that quick service restaurant space, probably have an understanding of what they want, but certainly I think the jury is still out on QR codes, right? It's a, it's a mixed bag. And I think it's a generational piece as well, right? Personally, I find them annoying. Yeah. (laughs) But it is much easier for the, the restaurant tour to maintain, I would think. And and it's obviously more cost effective, but I think they're annoying. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it certainly harkens back to me for how many times I've gotten a sticky menu, you know, QR code answers that. Yes. Um, But certainly I think um, it's finding the right places for that and understanding who your consumer is or who your customer is that's coming in, if that's going to work. Right. Because there's certainly a generation gap and understanding the ability of using QR codes and finding the app on your phone and doing all those types of things Um, that probably comes second nature to, you know, Gen Z millennials, um, probably a little bit more not in the wheelhouse of boomers and so on. For sure. Makes sense. So what are the types of client relationships you see in your work that are unique? You know, I think some of our bigger operators are staffed appropriately right from there and to understand insights and probably have their own teams on their side that we can work in partnership with. I think it's from some of the smaller upstarts and maybe some of the smaller, maybe more regional outlets accounts. for sure. Absolutely. Um, that are going to lead into us and say, Hey, we really need your help. Right. Sure. Or we don't know what to do, or we have a hypothesis on this. Can you help us test it? Right. And that's really the opportunity for our team to shine and really prove what we can do. And we can play that thought leadership partner. As I mentioned a bunch of times with operators for sure. And so what is it you do when a customer comes to you and says, I don't know what the consumer is thinking. That's a good one. We get that occasionally. We, you know, lean on our experience, obviously, in that space. So we kind of understand how to put um, a presentation together, depending on what they're trying to target. We have a ton of great insights that allow us to understand their consumer. For most operators we do business with through the tools that we have with some partners um, can help us understand who their, who their target demos are. And then work through that to put together a solution that really helps them target those tar- those demographics that work in their space and for that operator. You know, a lot of it's just a conversation, right? Um, we're real big advocates of as much as we'd like to do things electronically, let's just hop on the phone and talk about it. And a lot of the operators we work with really appreciate that more hands-on approach to really, again, be that consultative partner and understand um, how we can help, you know, both sides of the house here um, succeed. Sure. We probably should have started with this, right? So maybe we'll rewind a bit, but what are consumer insights? You know, the way I I usually look to define it is really understanding how the consumer thinks and feels. And we're trying to get to that deep truth um, from the consumer. So a lot of the research work we do, a lot of it involves quantitative, qualitative type of studies, right? So either studying kind of those hard numbers or more of the um, subjective things that you can get from consumers. And really, again, the purpose of that is trying to get to their truth um, and really get a deeper understanding of that. So then we can build a plan to be successful against that need. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Like I said, we probably should have teed that up in the beginning for all our listeners, (laughs) just in case somebody's not familiar with consumer insights. So that being said, 
how do consumer insights improve the quality of work and partnership you have with, with our customers? Anytime we can come to an operator on premise and really talk about, again, from a thought leadership perspective, right? Here's the things that are happening with your customer in general, and then kind of building that story that basically funnels down to how we can help um, fulfill that need, right? But again, I think it's the structure of how we tell the story that's super important um, to really come with a category or, you know, specific spirit insight and then build a pathway to how that we play a key role in that, right? And and how important we are to that operator. Because like I said, it's a mixed bag at times. If if operators understand, truly understand who their consumer is, at times they may think they do. And a lot of the insights we show them then turn to be eye-opening, like, oh, wow, I never knew that about my consumer or I don't have that level of data. You know, thank you for bringing that to the table for us. And again, it's it's the ability for our team to really leverage those tools, right? Because we can pay for every tool all day. Um, if we can't tell the story and tell the why behind that, then that's really the difference maker for us in consumer insights. I agree. The why really dictates, you know, why we do what we do. Absolutely. So you came from a CPG company. I did. Now you're at Beam Centauri. So especially, you know, you work a lot with us in the on-premise. Sure. When you go to a bar and restaurant, do you look at things a little differently now? Absolutely. You know, we do a ton of Gemba in markets are really going to the place where of action, right? Or where that happens um, is a term, obviously, we use here pretty heavily inside Beam Centauri and really make investments in allowing our teams to do that. And I feel like that's so important. Coming from a CPG, I'm used to looking at a shelf in a store set. And sure. obviously, we do some of that today in the off-premise space, trying to understand that. But I think when we move into the on-premise space, my head goes to kind of looking for red top first, right? So I look yeah. for our, our, our beam bottles up there and seeing, um, you know, and a lot of the work we're doing to get position on uh, without, you know, disclosing too much strategy here, right? But um, really trying to see a good representation behind the back bar for us is super important. Um, so I'm always counting bottles, counting brands these days. Um, my eye goes to, right, where are we represented on the menu? Are we part of a cocktail that's there? Um, and certainly in my on-premise dining these days, I'd certainly look to throw support behind people that support our company. So I'm always working with our local folks understand like, here's my neighborhood. Who are the great restaurants there that are providing support behind us so that I can take folks there and really help them experience some of our cocktails. Certainly um, some interesting things that are happening there with us, right? And, and highball and things like that, um, that really open up a, a different part of the back bar for us as well, which is super exciting to see. Perfect. Yeah. Do you ever work closely with our, our strategy team at all to just, okay. Certainly. So I'm sitting here nodding when I see yeah. you saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Visual, verbal, yes, yes. nonverbal cues we're giving each other. But yeah, I think our, you know, we're lockstep with our strategy folks for on-premise as well. I mean, we certainly want to be in line with our strategy team. So understand we're all pulling in the same direction, but we have complete connectivity um, with our strategy team here as well. And we're, we're certainly a key part of what helps inform our strategy, right? And we back that up with insights again to tell that story of the why, right? And the so what. I mean, really getting behind that is important to us. Perfect. So what is the importance of gathering thorough consumer insights and, and what separates quality ones from the not so quality ones? I think for us, the relationships we have with some of the key partners in the game give us a lot of credibility when we go in front of the customer or in front of an operator. But it comes down to credibility because if we sit in front of an operator and they're like, hey, I don't know who this is and I have to explain it, then we've probably made a mistake there. 
Um, so I think having some of those relationships with the bigger partners in the game, but then also, you know, creating some space for things that are new and exciting that are happening so that we're staying on the cutting edge of ways to garner insights, grab insights, work on panel insights from, you know, again, understanding that consumer more and asking a lot of those great questions that really tell the story when we get in front of an operator. But by far, I mean, our, our key relationships with our key partners are the foundation of a lot of our insights here for sure. So when I come to you with a, with a project, you know, or, or an RFP or request for a proposal with one of our customers, how do you or your team go about gathering the consumer insights and trends that we need to develop? Sure, absolutely. I think we always try to understand what is the end goal. So what are you trying to accomplish with this operator, right? Um, is it getting a whiskey cocktail on the menu? Is it getting this bottle on the back bar? We try to understand the end game and then work back to build the story to get us there. Um, and that's super important, right? To really, when I, when I talk about sitting down with folks and talking to understand um, what you're trying to get at, it's so great to have phone calls with folks and connect with you. I'm certainly on that because doing things over email, you can get lost in translation, sure, right? Sure. So, you know, it's a little bit of an art and a science for sure for us, but certainly understanding what we're trying to solve for and then backing into that is certainly the, the process, at least I use with our teams to understand how we can start building out a deck and building out those insights. Perfect. So what is the history of Beam Centauri's consumer insights research? Sure. So I can... <laughs> I mean, I given, given you've November, been here right? so, yeah, for six months um, now, yeah. please tell. I, you know, from what I understand of the history and coming from a, you know, I'll use a lens of someone who's been in CPG. I come from a $26 billion company in the CPG space that made a tremendous investment. But I would say coming here, right, and comparing and contrasting those, we have made a tremendous investment since I've gotten here and I've seen in yeah, primary research um, for sure. Right. As opposed to just syndicated sites, um, we're moving into new spaces in terms of understanding custom research, primary research, for sure. The investments are there and it's pretty impressive to see. And it's great to see for someone on my team and the folks that, that work with me on my team to understand that we're not just sitting on our laurels and taking in, you know, the standard stuff you can get from a syndicated partner. We're actually going out there and investing and making the investments. And that shines through with our customers and operators, right? We get in front of them and we're able to, to show off some of the work we've done and some of the custom work that we've done. Um, that really helps answer a lot of the questions for them. So would you consider Beam Centauri a leading player in, in the industry or have you seen any competitor work? I certainly, when I look at our portfolio and I talk to other partners out there, we are definitely a leading player in terms of making investments into insights and research. I think certainly for sure the research work, the custom work that we're doing is certainly cutting edge in terms of what I've seen from my history in CPG, as well as um, just getting to know some partners in this business. And we really try to get a pulse from our partners as well. When I say partners, I mean data partners, you know, who else is doing this? How are we doing this? Right. We want to be able to go in front of a, of an operator in today and say, Hey, we're the only ones doing this, right. Or we're the only ones that have invested in this. And that speaks to our investment and their partnership as well, right? We're investing in the business to grow the business and, and able to display that in front of an operator as well is really such a great win for us to do that. You know, I know we touched on this earlier, but I think it is a topic worth revisiting, but how do unprecedented events like, like COVID um, or like inflation really affect the insight research that you and your team does? COVID by far, right? Even given my history outside of Beam Suntory, um, it just threw a complete monkey wrench and everything, right? And folks react quickly or look for an answer quickly. And some of this is, right, you know, 
your guess is as good as mine, right? Especially on COVID. Um, and I still think the jury's out a bit on COVID because who knows what this, you know, the summer season, the fall season is going to bring again. Um, we continue to see things move back and forth in terms of mass mandates and shutdowns. Yeah. You know, I think events like that really challenge us to think about how we start to structure because you can't lean on history, right? It's, it's kind of a, like I said, it's an art and a science, right? It's a little bit of, Hey, here's what's happening pre COVID. Here's what's happening during COVID. And then when you start talking happening during COVID, you're like, which iteration, right? Is it 1.0 from 2020? Is it 2.0? Is it what it is today? So a lot of it really challenges us to think about how we bring those insights to consumers and the shelf life, right? I think, and that's a big one. Um, the shelf life on a lot of our insights are uh, pretty short these days because the market keeps changing. So when we typically would run research in the past or more strategic research, you would say, hey, that probably has like a three to five year shelf life. These days, it's like, it could be good. It could be invalid tomorrow, right? Depending on what happens um, with that. Inflation is another little interesting wrinkle. I think, you know, things like inflation and, and cost increases, you have a little bit more history on to go back on because there are events that have happened in the past. So sure. you would hope you would use those as an indication for the future. Learnings, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But the combination of inflation with COVID, right? So you kind of have a lot of, you're juggling a lot of balls in the air, I guess, trying to understand that and really put a story together. But I think we do the best we can and we always message that this is today, right? Is there today's insights? This is here we are, where we are. Um, make a change tomorrow, right? Something could happen tomorrow and change all that. We could, you know, God forbid, talk about uh, uh, shutdowns again or mask mandates and how that affects, especially us in the on-premise space. Could be very different than where we are today and, and hoping that we don't go there again, but certainly, you know, cautiously optimistic about it. Yeah, these are definitely some unprecedented times that we're, we're in Absolutely. right now. James, I have a question for you. Who in the on-premise is your favorite person to work with and why is it me? <laughs> you want to truly answer that yeah okay it is christina so i will talk a little bit about why you're gonna you know, make me blush <laughs> you know i think i'm a very direct and blunt person yes. can be almost too much at times it's part of the new yorker in me but i appreciate people that keep it real and you know without any kind of bs or alternate agenda at least i hope not so, um, I think that's what I get from you and I appreciate yeah. that. We're also busy, right? It's, you got yeah. a ton of things coming at you. So it's like, I don't have a lot of time to do a song and a dance, right? I just let and me I, know what you I need. I appreciate that because <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a song or a dance. <laughs> and I'm not a good singer or a dancer, so that's perfect. But I think that's being direct about what you need really helps our team because we're moving so fast. It's just like, Hey, tell me what you need and like, give me the damn ball and let me run with it. Um, yeah. and that's super and important for me because like I said, we have so many things going on. I'm juggling not only our on-premise team, but also our off-premise team. And then we are working very heavily and ready to drink our RTD mobilization as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I've got three really three headed monster, right? For our team to service and a lot of customers within there, both in the off-premise and on-premise space that are, have a lot of needs and have a lot of things they're looking for from us. So it's all about how do we resource allocate? You've been a great sounding board for me to say, Hey, we're thinking about doing this. Does this make sense? And um, I'm super big on communication and connectivity across the organization. So I always try to think who needs to be involved. Right. And I always know to involve you from learning here, some things <laughs> and also, uh, you know, just from my history, right. The more people we can involve in the decision, the more it cuts out of it down the stream when someone's like, Hey, I didn't know about this or I got blindsided by this. So, um, that's always my goal with communications, be open and help folks understand or not get blindsided when things come up. 
and it's not perfect, right? And you and no. I probably mm-hmm. have had some yeah. of those already, but, um, you know, I think just keeping that mindset, right. At least keeping that and knowing that it's for me, it's about progress, not perfection. Right. No, I, I agree. And I, you know, I appreciate it. I I've enjoyed working with you for the past six months. I look forward to the next six months. So I get to stay around. Um, so yes. Yeah, so I, I will let your, <laughs> yeah, I will let your boss know you should definitely stay around. Perfect. One thing you mentioned is I don't think I realized you were working with the RTD team. Sure. Are there any, you know, knowing that's, it's been predominantly more of an off premise play, uh, but we're seeing a lot of that more in the on premise. Yep. Anything you can speak to there? Sure. Um, so we're seeing a lot of flavored malt beverages like your White Claws and Trulies start to pop on menus or you see them behind the bar in the cooler. What we're have not seen a ton of yet is integrating those into cocktails. And I think that's the next stage, um, whether it be for those or spirits based, like a, like a high noon things that come across like that. Obviously we have things in our portfolio as well that we're trying to find space for and get those not only in the, um, off premise, but certainly in the on premise. Um, I think one of the weird things that have come out of COVID for us too, just to uh, not to go off on a tangent, but I think, uh, a lot of the trends we see would usually start in the on-premise and move into the off-premise. Right. That got kind of turned upside down during COVID and sure. we're starting to go back the other way, obviously with more of on-premise locations opening and you know, most of the country being open now. So we're interested to see if on-premise is going to lead the trend in ready to drinks, not only being there, but being integrated into cocktails and how they do that. And certainly, right, like I talked about with our ability to test, we can certainly test cocktails that are um, RTD based from our product offerings here at Beam Suntory and then work those into, you know, specialized cocktails for consumers and then do that in a test and learn environment as well. But I think RTD is a really obviously fast growing space, super hard to understand. And for me to just be joining this business in the last six months, I had no idea what a flavored malt beverage was versus a spirit space, right? And helping consumers understand that is a huge, huge task for us, right? And one that my team is undertaking to really tell that story of the difference and helping our, you know, more in the off-premise space, but certainly to help them understand how to set their stores so that it is more shoppable for shoppers when they come in. But, um, you know, there's lessons to be learned, I think, from on-premise and certainly what makes sense in terms of how do you cocktail those into beverages and things like that on a menu. Perfect. Yeah. Well, James, I've appreciated talking to you today. <laughs> this is always been, a pleasure. Always a pleasure. It's it's been fun. Um, so let's uh, let's toast your next six months here at Beam Centauri. I'll toast to uh, that. For we sure. we have some travels coming up, so I we look do. forward to those. Some industry conferences that we'll be attending. So um, I told you you'll be my Sherpa. We'll see if you fill that <laughs> responsibility for me or that ask, but. I hope I, I hope I can keep High up. standards. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, with that, here's to you. Cheers. Cheers. And uh, please always drink responsibly. And thank you for tuning in. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Take care, everyone. Top Shelf Integrity is brought to you by Beam Centauri, Inc., Chicago, Illinois. Remember to always drink responsibly.